Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I'm Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 50 and 51 of Carry On. In chapter 50, our boy Simon is a little bemused about him and Baz and Penny working together, though... It's really Penny and Baz doing all the heavy nerd shit, actually. One day, Baz asks Simon what he'll be doing for the upcoming holiday break, as Simon will not be with Agatha's family. Baz invites Simon to his place, under the pretense of avenging his mother, and Simon is suspicious because, you know, mortal enemies just don't invite you into their home for Yule. On the last day of class, before a holiday break, Baz comes clean about... Obviously not trying to seduce Agatha and was just trying to fuck with Simon, which leads to an awkward conversation where we know and Baz knows why he fucked with Simon's relationship, but Simon thinks it was just for spite. Readers, it was only a little bit for spite. (laughs) Chapter 51. Baz, my little sad rattlesnake, is so mad about Simon's feelings for Agatha and is so mad that all this time spent together hasn't changed Simon's feelings about him. <sighs> yes. <laughs> I tried to think of like a joke, like a violin joke because Baz plays violin and then I just like couldn't get it. So I, I'm just going to sigh instead. <laughs> um, so reminder we are spoiling everything through the end of this book but nothing from the sequels also reminder please go leave us a review because it makes us happy and it helps other people find the podcast with that we're going to enter easy come easy go easy come easy go where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else I want to start with the literal first three sentences of chapter 50, in which Penny's like, I should stay, I should sleep here tonight. And both Baz and Simon are like, no, that's not happening. And it's like, Penny, they love you, but you just can't always be here or else they can't do their homoerotic pining. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It is really funny the way that, like, Simon doesn't even have a reason that we see that he gives for why. Like, I don't even think Simon knows, but he's just like, excuse me, I need some alone time with my enemy. So (laughs) you're going to have to go home now. Yes, exactly. My first one is that, which I guess this maybe could have been in the fantasy section, and maybe you have it there about internet trolls. I don't. Okay, so my first one is that internet trolls are apparently their own half-sentient species. Like, uh, gnomes, I think, was the other one that Simon named. And I think that's 
hilarious and great and just it really tickled me (laughs) (laughs) oh i must have like skipped right over that but that is very entertaining yeah i think the sentence is like baz probably thinks that pixies are a lesser species half sentient like gnomes or internet trolls and then he just moves on and you're like (laughs) Hey, <laughs> like, I see what you did there. <laughs> now I'm just imagining little gnomes squatting behind computers. They have like their they're like jerry rigged like pour into, and they're just like, hey. yeah, exactly. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, what's next? Kind of along this little section, I do think Baz is actually a little bit right about Trixie, even though Penny was right about being like, you know, you're not going to be called. Trixie the pixie but it's kind of like I feel like it's a little bit like when people have twins and give them like matchy matchy names <laughs> which I've I've always felt like must suck if you're that I don't know don't don't do that to your kids <laughs> I'm not sure where I land on that because I do think that Penny's point is right like there are lots of names that rhyme with identifiers Newman's not super common, but like you could be like a girl named Pearl or yeah, I mean, like she says a boy named Roy and we don't really think about that. And like you might get made fun of it for it in like elementary school, but if her parents weren't planning on sending her to a school with humans, although she's half pixie, right? That does change things. Okay, you're right. <laughs> I mean, the only other thing I can think of is that like... Maybe Trixie has a name in the Pixie language. And mm. it's just like, it's just going to be so much easier for me to like, either I don't want to tell people my true name because magic, or it's like, I don't need all these like English people fucking up my name. So I'm just going to go with Trixie. Call it good. <laughs> yeah. So. It also seems very in character for her to like choose a name that rhymes with Pixie for herself, given the very little that we know about her. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, along those lines, I just want to say that Simon truly is so terrible at the game that they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a name, Simon. <laughs> Gampire. <laughs> just... Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like thinking, like, what would have been a good name to have said instead? It took me a minute, but Anne Meyer, the vampire. Yeah. (laughs) Well done. I didn't even have to look at a rhyming dictionary, so I feel very proud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do you have next? We just get this line of uh, where Simon is like. And by, you know, when we work together, it means I just lay on the bed and Agatha and Baz have, like, very intense nerd fights. (laughs) And he just, like, lists off, like, oh, like, the magical importance of Hamlet versus, you know, Macbeth. Or, like, their favorite spells from the 1800s. And I'm like, I actually want to read these conversations. I know. I, like, want to know. I want those conversations, the minutes of those conversations to be printed in the magical record so that we can read them. (laughs) Um, My next thing is the part about how Baz refers to his friends as minions. (laughs) 
Uh, truly on brand, but also so just like above and beyond brand. It's beautiful. It is. It is the most extra. And I feel like his friends are probably like kind of into it too. It's like, oh yeah, lol, <laughs> minions. Yeah. And Bez is like, no, but I actually call you this out- outside of what I'm making out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. They're also his cousins, which I feel like is a specific dynamic too, where they're like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? He's the pretty one. It's not like I'm going to not hang out with him. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just have one last thing, which is out of Baz's chapter where he's like talking about his dad wanting him to fucking get married and have kids because the pitch name will die with him. And he's like, can vampires even have kids? Also, Aunt Fiona, a living person. And I'm like, Fiona does not want to have kids. (laughs) In a world where everyone marries their high school sweetheart immediately. Like, I mean, maybe, but like. She would have. Because her high school sweetheart was Nico, and I think they were really into each other. I think they were a really good fit, too. Although he, like, wasn't good enough for her family, despite being, like, one of the two most powerful mages of his generation. Oh, but you know, his name wasn't good enough, so... I know. It's like, sometimes, I mean, one, never have that matter, but, like, even if you are going to have that matter, don't... Don't they, like, take things like power into account in that kind of, like, snooty matchmaking world? I mean, I guess it must depend, I suppose. It's like the magic equivalent of being, like, new money. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, My last thing is also about that section. And this, I really wasn't sure where to put it, but that's what this section is for. So Baz says he doesn't think his father would care who fathered his grandchildren as long as the pitch name was but if if Baz's dad doesn't care who does the actual fathering as long as the pitch name is passed on it shouldn't matter that Baz is queer because Baz's partner could do what I refer to as the sperm part um, with like you know a surrogate and it would be baz's kid and if they're if they chose to give the kid the pitch name then like baz's child would be continuing the pitch line that i don't know that part actually made me feel really confused because baz was kind of indicating like if i would just marry a woman even if I, as a vampire, can't have kids, he wouldn't care who did the actual fathering as long as they had my last name. Is that how you read that passage? I mean, I guess what I actually, how I actually read that passage is that his father is interested in the appearance of being normal. And so that's why I don't think, even if Baz is like, so yo, I got a surrogate, you know, we can make this kid thing happen. But like... Here is my husband. I think his dad would be like, that doesn't, that doesn't count. But everyone wouldn't necessarily have to know which of them had done the sperm part. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about that more in politics, actually. Okay. Cool. Well, then so. let's, let's move on.
Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. I'm actually not sure if this goes in this section, but I just have one thing about Bass, which is Bass obviously tells Simon about his non-flirtation with Agatha just to get a rise out of Simon to get a reaction. And then is mad that he gets the reaction that he... And is mad that he doesn't get the reaction that he wants, which is like, I don't know how you thought this was going to play out. Which... And maybe just because I'm watching a lot of season four, feels like a very, like, Spike thing to do. To be like, I'm giving you this gift so you like me. And it's like, no, you did this horrible thing. And it's like, but I told you about it. And now it's fine. It's like, it's not fine. It's like, why didn't that work? It's like, dude. I have notes about that, too. I guess I have a couple thoughts. One is that I don't think Baz started that conversation expecting to have to say anything more than, like, you didn't see what you thought you saw. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he was caught off guard by Simon's line of questioning. And... I, I don't feel like once the conversation entered, like, I I was just doing that to piss you off. Like, I don't think Baz ever intended to, like, have that piece of the conversation. I think he just was, like, trying to... I mean, his his motivation here is that, like, he's so concerned about Simon not being alone at Christmas that he's willing to, like, do this thing that is, like, fully against his own desires to like give Simon the opportunity to make up with Agatha so that he won't be alone, which just like my <laughs> just so sweet. Like that's so just unbelievably generous of him. And I guess I get it. Like I just I feel like Baz was like, I don't want to do this, but like I owe it to Simon to make it so that he can, like, get back with Agatha so he won't be alone at Christmas. And he thought he was just going to be able to say, like, look, Simon, you didn't see what you thought you saw. Stop being mad at Agatha. Like, go make up so that you can go home with her for Christmas. And then Simon was like, a bunch of questions. And Baz was like, oh, fuck. And then just, like, accidentally kind of told the truth. And then, like, it got worse and worse and he couldn't do anything to stop it. So I don't feel... I guess I don't feel like it's quite as spike-like is is that because he's mad at the end where he's like, I was trying to do him a favor, but I think he just means about like the first part of it and not mm-hmm. like why did that end where it ended? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it does make sense. <laughs> it's just everyone's so angry and no one gets what they want. <laughs> and it just know. makes me sad. It's so sad. It all, actually the beginning of it, that conversation reminded me of I feel like it's a TikTok that maybe you've seen of like two people having a text conversation and like one of them is having a very calm and like kind text conversation and the other one is having like a very upsetting like we're in a fight text conversation but it's the same conversation have you seen that that sounds vaguely familiar yeah I mean it's basically like about how how one can like 
not read tone in a text message, right? So it's like, yeah, we can do whatever. And the other person's like, or it's like, I don't care what, whatever, right? About like the plans and the other person's like, I don't care, whatever, like just getting increasingly more angry. And that was how I felt about it where like Baz was like, I was never an option for Agatha or like, no, she never, she never chose you over me. And Simon hears that as like, she always chose Baz instead of Simon. Whereas Baz is saying like, I, she never could have chosen me because I wasn't available to her. And it's just like all of these, they're saying something and the other one is not hearing what is supposed to be heard, which is funny, but also sad. I just felt so sad for Baz in this scene because he doesn't want Simon and Agatha to get back together. Like, he profoundly no. doesn't want that. And he's only doing this because he just loves Simon so much. And he's like, I don't want you to be alone at Watford. And if you won't fucking come home with me, which I want so badly, then, like, I'm going to get you back together with your goddamn girlfriend so that you can go home with her because I won't have you alone at Watford for Christmas. That's fucked up. And Simon's just so angry about it. And it's like, you already mentioned how you're just going to be having to, like, cook your own meal in the kitchen because literally no one else is going to be there. That is so incredibly depressing. I know. Yeah, my last thing here is that the most positive outcome that Baz is capable of hoping for is for him and Simon to become reluctant enemies. (laughs) And then I just have sob in quotation marks. Yeah, his whole... His whole chapter is, it just makes me sad. He's like shaking with anger, but it's really shaking with sadness. And I'm like, oh, I just want to. Yeah. He's like, I don't, I'm not even aiming for friendship. Like, I just want us to be like sad about the fact that we're enemies. That's it. (laughs) Uh... Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about politics? Yeah. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. I just... Okay, so for folks who maybe are not not reading the book, this is a two-page chapter in which Baz just goes on this, like, such a sad spiral about, like... Maybe I should just go get married to Agatha or to whoever, and then I just give my dad some fucking grad kids, and he could stop. And then he wouldn't even matter if I was gay. And I'm like, that's so sad. It's like that is sad, but it's also kind of like just the like patriarchal bullshit of it all, mm-hmm. where it's like we could get married, we don't even necessarily like each other, but it's like it would be a political marriage essentially, mm-hmm. you know, and just that like. There's already this existing pressure from his dad to, like, pass on the, like, pitch name, which he's like, this feels terrible and also not a good way. This doesn't feel right for me to, like, pass on my mother's name in this way. And I, it's just, it's very, like, this, this what he's talking about feels familiar about with, like, you know, you read a lot of fantasy. It's like, oh, arrange marriages for money and, like blah blah or it's like you're super rich so you gotta marry also someone super rich in your like circle but it's just incredible bullshit number one and then just 
deeply sad because like in Baz's depression spiral, they're like the only room for him to be himself would be to like have us all these, you know, flings or affairs with dudes that look like Simon <laughs> and then to like break their hearts along the way. Oh my God. And I'm like, this is fucked up, dude. You need to just fucking like, you know, just fucking leave. Just fucking be like, fuck you, dad. I'm out. <laughs> this is such, it's just such patriarchal bullshit. And like, yeah. also a really good example of how the patriarchy hurts everyone, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It feels like a very insidious kind of homophobia, I guess, because his dad is like really framing his homophobia in the context of like the importance of passing on a name and not about it's like, I don't mind that you're queer. I mind that you won't pass on your mother's name. That just feels really like shitty and manipulative. Mm hmm. And obviously that homophobia that Baz's dad has also extends to being like, my deepest dream for you is to appear normal, even if you're unhappy, Mm -hmm. you know, which he would be in these awful situations. Right. Um, So the, we have this thing about how the, the mages men have tried to search Penny's house again. And, they said that the next time they come back, they're going to bring the mage with them, which, like, on its own is fucked up. But then we also get this, like, additional information from Simon where he's like, You're, the mage would never dare hurt your mom if I was there. And Penny's like, would he hurt her? And Simon's like, no, obviously not. And it's like, yeah, you said that. And so you clearly think that. And so it's like, ah. <laughs> like, yeah. What? 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 Also, yes, clearly the mage would hurt basically anyone that he wanted to hurt in his fucking search. So I'm curious about like what would he do to her? Like, would he arrest her? Would he like use a spell to like incapacitate her while he searched her house? I mean, it probably doesn't matter, but I'm curious about like what Simon imagined in his head in the moment where he was saying like he wouldn't do that if i was there i don't know and i'm sure any number of terrible things right challenge her to a duel (laughs) they have duels in this world and uh, at least if these duels are similar to the duels that used to happen irl turning down a duel is like the most cowardly like terrible thing that you can do i can't imagine penny's mom turning down a duel with a mage yeah i guess i want to say that i think penny's mom would win it but like i'm also like what kind of shady bullshit with a mage pull right exactly because he wouldn't just be like we're just gonna have this regular ass duel he would definitely rig the odds for his favor yes absolutely and then they just go on and be like lol christmas at the mage and i'm like that was a definitely <laughs> a switch tone, a very deep tonal change. Yeah, it really was. All right. So, I mean, I think especially because of where we are in time, which listeners, today is January 7th, 2021, <laughs> aka the day after white supremacists took over the Capitol building, we get this thing from simon being like why are they calling it the watford tragedy 
that's not what it was. Like someone was murdered, which I guess just felt very like topically poignant about like the way that people are talking about this as like a protest or a riot and like not what it was, which I actually in reading about this for taking my notes was really interest like found some interesting information that like we should all stop calling it a coup because apparently a coup is very short-lived and like easily overthrown and this is much more insidious and like long-lasting than a coup and we have much less knowledge about how to stop what's actually happening than like we have we overall know how to stop a coup like there are books on it but this is Mm -hmm. a quote-unquote anti-democratic action which can be referred to as sedition or insurrection which it is being referred to by some people but those are much harder to stop and like much more sort of like low level ongoing than an actual coup and I just thought it was really interesting that the timing lined up where Simon's like, I think it's important for us to not talk about this in like coded like the Watford tragedy language. Like we need to call things what they are in order for like the true weight of the thing to be conveyed in the way that we're talking about it. And I was like, yes, Simon, your your point is incredibly relevant right now. Yeah, truly. Yeah, I feel like even I'm like, what do I call this? I was calling it terrorism. And then it was like, this is only gonna mean that uh, law enforcement is gonna expand their terrorism crushing skills onto people of color. And I'm like, fuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so true. And then like, obviously, coup is is a very good point. Uh, I feel like we just call it treason. I feel like treason covers a lot. Of anti-democratic. <laughs> right. From what I was reading, I think sedition is the most appropriate word. Yeah, I'll, I'm very curious to see how this all shakes out. <laughs> yeah, who even knows what, how relevant any of this will be in a week when this episode comes out. <laughs> uh me and Nicole on like New Year's Day, we were like, oh, we should make like 2021 bingo cards. And then we didn't. And I'm like, even if we would have had made bingo cards, I don't think white supremacists storming the Capitol and cops letting them would have really came up in my bingo card. <laughs> <sighs> we should get back to this podcast. Maybe. I don't know. I Actually, we've, like, heard from several people in our, like, emails and DMs in the last few days about, like, how they come to this podcast for, like, their, their like, education on things like this. So I'm like, this is fine. We should continue having this conversation. Yeah, no, no pressure. People coming to us for their <laughs> I mean, the important work of dismantling colonialism and racism. Isn't that what we're here for? No pressure at all. I mean, actually, basically, yeah. <laughs> Doing it in an approachable context. That's true. And also, confused gabies. <laughs> exactly. Someone just DM'd us today and was like, your most recent episode made me realize that I was like doing default whiteness in all of my readings and I like never even knew that I'd been doing it and now I'm committed to not doing that anymore. 
Wow, lives change. Lives changing. I know. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. It always feels so funny to move from, like, politics to rants, when it's like, but politics is also rants. These are just, like, lower stakes rants. Mm-hmm. What do you have first? I just have some feelings about the way Simon and Baz are talking about Agatha in the last couple of pages of chapter 50 it just doesn't it doesn't feel good it feels kind of gross actually tell me more i mean baz is basically only to be like yeah i kind of toyed with with agatha to like fuck with you someone's being like all like rah 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 about it and it's like i just i guess it just feels like they're having this conversation as if agatha doesn't have agency to tell either of them to fuck off or to be like ah yes I would want to be with Baz after, you know, it just feels kind of weird. I felt like Simon was upset on behalf of Agatha as opposed to himself, where he was like, you made her have a crush on you. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like your attempt to, or your like intentional fucking with me had a real impact on like her emotions. And that's really fucked up. Did you not read it that way? I guess I just feel like there's actually no, you are right. There there he does Simon does have a lot of anger on behalf of Agatha. I guess I'm just thinking about this little this like couple of paragraphs at the end of the chapter where they're like where Baz is like, Alright, fine, I'll like stay away from her. And it's like, no, that's worse. And it's like, okay, fine, then I will like what do you want at that point? It's like I feel there's a point where it's like I feel like Simon's pool of rage at ba- at Baz that Simon still has like kind of comes to the fore and it like isn't about Agatha anymore mm-hmm. and I feel like that like the last little bit of chapter 50 is like that mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense to me okay so my first rant is why don't they have internet at school and like I know the mage trying to keep everybody like separated from the world and whatever but like the mage's whole entire deal is like we have to stay close to the language and like in 2015 which is when this book is set you must be on the internet to be close to the language it is impossible to stay in touch with the like advancements and new sayings and whatever that are that are coming up that could be spells if you're not on the fucking internet and so it just is like even though i know it's because he's he's doing his whole deal with like trying to keep these kids separate from the world or whatever it is counter to his entire mission of like whatever the fuck his entire mission is it's counter to that to not give these kids access to the internet even if you want to put like you know, like the restrictions that you can put on what people can access on the internet, like how in Catholic hospitals, I can't fucking log into auto straddle. True story. <laughs> uh, but Ugh. 
even if he did that and made it so they couldn't even like email people or whatever they need 2015 what do they need to be able to go on i don't know like they need to be able to get on the internet and see what's happening and like read memes and and connect in that way if they're gonna fucking know what they're doing magic 2015 it was definitely tumblr it was like tumblr and like a little bit of twitter i don't remember when instagram started but i think it wasn't super popular until like a couple years after or maybe it was the year whenever facebook brought it anyway yeah and i honestly i felt that just goes to show that like Whatever that may just tell people his, like, goals are, it doesn't fucking matter. Because he's like, I don't want y'all, fuck- y'all to have fucking internet. Which doesn't make any sense at all. But he's just like, I don't want you to have it. Basically, for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> it made me really mad, clearly. I was like, this should be the thing that makes everyone see through his bullshit. If they're like, wait a second, I thought you cared about staying close to the language. What do you mean these kids can't have the internet? That doesn't make any Agatha sense. Agatha would have been so much less sad if she could just have texted or emailed her, like, normal friends. Totally. As opposed to being like, yeah, I go to a really weird Christian boarding school or whatever the fuck she tells them. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? Oh, I only have that one thing. <laughs> So the rest of what I have here is basically like all one big thing. Simon staying at school over the holidays and like the kitchen being closed and he's going to be the only kid there and like how fucked up that is. And then how hurt he must be that he can't go to Penny's house and like even for a second. And the fact that it's absurd for Penny to even suggest that the mage would spend time with him because he clearly wouldn't. Like, who the fuck is she kidding? Yeah. Which they both clearly understand. And it's like, this actually isn't a thing to joke about. Dude, not even at fucking Hogwarts would they do they leave the kids by themselves over holiday. I know. And that's just so much more dysfunctional school than this. It's true. <laughs> it really is. Oh, it's fucked up. It's still, like, kind of fucked up for Penny's mom to be like, I don't like your friend. He can't stay here. Even though he literally has nowhere else to go. You're an adult in this situation. Put up with your kid's best friend for, like, two weeks so he's not at the school by himself trying to, like, use a stove in the in the kitchen of the school because no one is fucking there. I know. Are you fucking shitting me? I know. I mean, that just makes me so, so angry. I'm sorry, but that is part of being a parent is putting up with your kids' shit. Like, your kids are going to like music that you hate. You're still going to have to listen to it. Your kids are going to have friends that you don't enjoy. You're still going to have to let them come around. Nicole's parents could not stand me for, like, a big chunk of the beginning of our friendship. And, like, (laughs) they didn't ban me from the house, you know? They just were like, uh. (laughs) And that just is, like, what being a parent is like. You just have to deal too bad for you. And Penny's mom needs to get over it. Yeah. Referring to Simon as the mini-mage is really inappropriate. Truly. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Since she was down my spine. 
Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. What are you first? I actually don't have anything. Okay, I just have three things. One, Simon talks a lot about Baz's mouth at the beginning of this <laughs> chapter. <laughs> sure does yeah just clearly been spending a lot of time studying his enemy's lips like you do like you do and then that leads him into thinking about whether or not baz is ever happy my heart (laughs) Uh, and then we i don't actually remember where it is in the chapter but we get this line where he's like laying in bed and like quote unquote trying not to watch Baz so you know yeah totally normal not crushy things that you that you experience with a person yes not in the slightest it's not we're we're nowhere near the like level of sexiness that we were in the last chapters (laughs) where they're having sex but like you know we still get a little bit of sexy stuff here Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. I guess I first off want to... So Baz is like, can vampires have babies? That sounds fucking terrible. (laughs) And I'm kind of like, I don't know, could these vampires in this world have babies? Baz was bitten as a five-year-old, but he grew up, (laughs) essentially. You know, he's not, he wasn't like frozen in place as a like vampire toddler. Right. So I'm kind of like, I don't know, maybe. Could sit in a hot tub, get everything warmed up. I don't know. Yeah. I, well, oh, mm, that's actually a really good point. I'm going, I'm going with no, just because he doesn't have body heat. So Mm. like the sperm wouldn't be viable. He would have, I, I, potentially... If a vampire did some sort of something to, like, keep their testicles at the proper temperature for the proper amount of time, I think that they could probably make viable sperm. I don't know if a vampire could, like, grow a baby in a, like, room temperature body. (laughs) Yeah, that seems... Much less likely. This is just, like, so much less controllable to, like, try to maintain, like, a 98.6 body temperature for nine months for, like, your whole body than to, like, locally. I actually don't know what temperature your testicles need to be to make viable sperm. Lower than body temperature. That's why they're like that. But... Yeah. Also, apparently... People now have, like, less viable sperm because skinny jeans make it so that, like, you produce less Wait, that is actually true. I thought that that was, like, the internet being, like, LOL, skinny jeans make you infertile. I'm like... No, it's a real thing because they, like, keep your testicles closer to your body and so they're, like, warmer. Anyway. That's pretty funny, actually. (laughs) It is funny. But yes, just from like a 
biology standpoint, I think there would be some issues with reproduction. You could just, you could just, you could just get a teacup of the like properly temperature water. Just, uh, I feel bad. This is somehow a very sperm happy heavy episode. Why do you feel bad? I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Um, I do want like biologists to to shoot us a quick email about for how long would Baz have to keep his testicles at the appropriate temperature before he would be able to create a baby with another person. Yeah, I want to know. I do too. <laughs> um, speaking of questions that we've posed to people, I did want to shout out someone wrote to us from the UK and was like, doctors are comfortably well off here. They're not the richest of rich people, but they're much better paid than teachers. I didn't get a sense of how it compares to people in the US. But yes, that's that's what it said. It was like, yeah, doctors, that's a good job to have, which I didn't think it was not a good job to have. But I think maybe people in other countries don't have a sense of how much money doctors, at least who are like specialized make in the u.s because it's a lot yeah actually chris rock has a joke about this where he's talking about he has a rich person's home in like a rich people neighborhood but like one of his neighbors is a dentist which is a yeah like dentists can make a fuck ton of money but also a little bit about like the racial wealth inequality in this country mm-hmm. even when you're like a very well-known hollywood star mm-hmm your neighbors are just, I mean, in a country without a fucking shitty healthcare system would probably, yeah, would just be like upper middle class, but not ultra wealthy. Right. Especially because dental is extra for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> As if the bones in your mouth aren't like, are like detachables. For real, dude. Through my face. The like weird thing, <laughs> I'm having a weird health thing right now that like involves my face and my doctor straight up was like, I can't order a dental x-ray for you. Like, you have to go to a dentist, even though what's happening to you is, like, medical and we need to, like, rule out, like, a tooth infection. I literally cannot order that for you. And I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. Like, I have to go pay $200 to go to the fucking dentist to get this x-ray. Which is like, I didn't expect my insurance to pay for it because it's my teeth. So obviously my medical insurance isn't going to pay for it. But the fact that like my doctor can't even like tell someone to give me the x-ray, like someone else has to do that is like, what the fuck? Anyway. Nothing nothing makes sense in this goddamn country. No, it doesn't. <laughs> anyway. So Penny says that she can spell the bathtub squishy to sleep in it. And I spent some time thinking about what spells one would use to make a hard surface a bed. I came up with three. (gasps) Yes, let me hear. First one is snug as a bug. Mm, Second is warm and cozy, which we say a lot. I'm less sure about that one. And then the third one is make yourself comfortable. Mm. What do you think? I feel like I want to say snug as a bug. Seems like it would fit really well. Mm-hmm. And is also a spell that I would also use because I have spent so many years crashing on so many uncomfortable chairs and floors and couches. Mm-hmm. 
Never a bathtub, but is like comfy cozy an actual saying? Or is it just something that like commercials have put in my brain? I feel like it's probably an actual saying. Sounds right. I like the A, I agree with you, but also B, I like the general implications of a make yourself comfortable spell. I'm like, ooh, that could be like imagine you're on an airplane. I feel like make yourself comfortable would be an amazing spell to have. Yeah, I feel like and I feel like make yourself comfortable would be a good spell outside of like I need a place to sit. I mean to sleep. Mm-hmm. Because that's a different, because I feel like a comfortable place to sleep and like being comfortable in a space can be two different things. Totally. So. Yeah. And I feel like you say make yourself comfortable when you're inviting someone to sit down in your living room. So it would be much more applicable to something like a long car ride or like being on an airplane or being in an uncomfortable theater seat or something like that. And then suddenly it's as if you're in like a luxurious armchair, even though you're still... Hi, Rufio. Hello. Oh, no, his donut. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I didn't come in my lap. Okay. <laughs> this is my lap dog. Um, what else did you have here? Oh, uh, just that I think maybe the only spell words we get in these two chapters, which is uh, be our guest. Some kind of protection spell, it seems like. It's just useful. Mm-hmm. But what did they use before that Disney movie came out? (laughs) Maybe nothing. Maybe there wasn't a spell for that. Maybe not. I really love that that's a spell. Like, it's so specific and makes so much sense in terms of, like, the purpose that that song serves in the movie. Yeah. Sorry if my sound is fucked up right now, listeners. I have a dog head in front of my face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's like directly between me and my microphone right now i can i can see that <laughs> oh and his squishy face yeah there must be a shit ton of disney based spells though absolutely um i just had i i don't know why i didn't bring this up earlier but the whole vampire reproduction thing baz is like imagine vampire babies like how horrible would that be and i'm like as you know from experience that vampirism kicks in at puberty it's not like these babies would need to drink blood they would be fine until age you know somewhere between 11 and 15 or whatever but it is funny that he's probably was like babies with like fangs which exactly is pretty funny and also yeah. horrifying but like yeah you're right like that is not his lived experience at all no i used to read these terrible vampire books by Christopher Pike. Uh, But I'm pretty sure that a vampire had a baby in that. And there was like a whole thing about like when the baby was breastfeeding, it was also like blood feeding because it was like biting the mom at the same time. And that's definitely what that made me think about. Um, Which would be horrible. Baz is correct. I mean, actually, from what I know about breastfeeding, like once people once the baby's teeth kick in, like they're biting that sh- they're biting the shit out of people's nipples. Totally, but they're not like usually piercing the skin with like razor sharp fucking fangs. That's true. All right. 
thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we'll be reading chapters 52 and 53. Uh, This podcast is produced, mixed, and edited by me. And Escape from Reality is a product of Hashtag Ruthless Productions. You should check out our other podcasts, which include The Gaily Prophet, which is about Harry Potter. And We Are the Gayers, a Patreon-only podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can find us on the internet at thegillyprophet.com, where you can listen to all of the episodes of Escape from Reality and The Gilly Prophet. You can also check out our merch, and we are on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at the Gilly Prophet. If you want to support us, you can join our Patreon, which is where you can listen to that Buffy podcast. You can also make a donation through our website or on Venmo or PayPal at The Gailey Prophet. And you can buy our merch or you can support us for free by leaving us a five-star review and telling everyone you know to listen to this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Live from Detroit. I'm also on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. You can follow me on Instagram at Lark Malachi, or you can go to my website, which is Lark Malachi. Oh my God, Rufio McIntosh. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I love you too. I'm sorry you don't feel good. Uh, or you can go to my website, which is LarkMalachi.com, and book a tarot reading with me. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. And until next time, Scott-a-moosh. Scott-a-moosh.